Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey, and you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. Boom. We're live. Sean Finnegan, welcome to the Black Diamond Podcast. Oh, great to be here, Eric. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I feel like a lot of our values align, um, mm -hmm. you know, especially with what your end goals are as an entrepreneur and the lifestyle um, that you're really looking to to achieve for for yourself and those you care for. So it's, it's, uh, it's great. I mean, you've, you've, you've spent the time in the trenches. I'll let you tell your story, of course, but you yeah. spent your time in the trenches. You found a, um, a unique, uh, business and you are running with it, man. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of a cool, it's a very cool story. I think it's something to inspire a lot of people as well. So thanks for coming on and let's, let's kick it off with your backstory, man. How'd you get to where you are? Well, my backstory is I, I became a physical therapist. I was a biology major thinking about medicine, but I wound up doing physical therapy because I, I kind of got hurt in uh, football and I had a lot of therapy at that time. So, and the therapist was talking in my ear saying, you know, Hey man, this is a great you know, career and it's not as hard as being a doctor and this and that. And I was like, okay, because <laughs> I was like not too keen on being a doctor. It's like a lot of school, right? So anyway, so I became a physical therapist. I went to school at the Mayo Clinic and got a master's degree there. And I was doing a lot of traveling physical therapy because I wanted to kind of see the country and work in different settings and stuff like that. So I, you know, got to travel and do these three month assignments. So I sort of wound up in, in um, Arizona, you know, doing a contract there. And I was approached by a guy that was, you know, doing a modeling. He's an agent, a modeling agent. So I became a model and I started doing modeling. And that brought me to L.A. because I was doing, getting a lot of bookings. So I, I decided, well, I'll do physical therapy and kind of see what this modeling stuff's all about. So I became a model. And it was kind of interesting because um, I shifted uh, out of physical therapy into personal training. And I started studying nutrition and things like that because I wanted to do, you know, well care, basically. So I got sort of tired of, you know, ill care being in, you know, hospitals and nursing facilities and clinics and people, you know, suffering. So I was really interested in, you know, you know, starting my modeling career as well as, you know, um, doing fitness and nutrition consulting. So I kind of started that business up a little bit and took a break from PT. So I got, was able to do modeling and, you know, that stuff. And then I, I started doing some traveling and then I, uh, I met my wife in Costa Rica. <laughs> so I, then I get, when I, when I did that, I was like, wow, I need a kind of steady Eddie job. So I started, you know, fired up my physical therapy degree, you know, practice again. So I was doing outpatient physical therapy. And then in that setting, 
I, I pretty much, you know, melded those two skill sets together. So I was doing PT as well as personal training, giving nutrition advice, consulting and things like that, because I put together these really, really great meal plans for people and, you know, exercise routines. So most of my client, my, my patients became my clients. So I was kind of doing both. And I use a lot of bands and straps and things like that. And, you know, constantly, you know, teaching my customers how to use their their bands and straps at home and in the gym where I was at so they could do their home exercise. So what happened was I got um, several injuries from my patients, you know, anchoring their bands onto these, you know, pieces of equipment, you know, like let's say a Smith machine. I don't know if everybody knows what that is, but or, or like a functional trainer that's got these arms that move up and down and you can kind of, you know, you know, disengage them and, and move them. And so what happened was people were anchoring their bands on that and they were disengaging, basically. They were, they were pulling off. And so we had a couple injuries and, and at that time, my, my business partner and I were like, okay, let's find an anchoring system that can anchor all the bands and straps we have on the floor, on the gym. And so that's, that became the genesis of what I have now, which is called the Anchor Gym. But it, it, it came about right around 2008 when um, these injuries occurred. And um, they weren't really, really bad. One trainer chipped a tooth and <laughs> one guy, you know, sprained his wrist and all those other things. But, but it was enough to, for, for us to really start taking a look at any sort of solutions out there on the market. And I, I couldn't find anything. Honestly, I was looking around and I had known of some, you know, things out there that kind of were band stations and stuff, but they didn't, you know, fit the bill, meaning that, you know, you had to buy their particular bands or you had to use clip hooks or it was very cumbersome and costly. And it wasn't you had to commit to the entire system. You could buy just part of it. So. So basically, I started putting together my ideal system that would um, anchor all the bands and straps and pulleys and ropes that are on the market and be super safe and super durable and also be modular in that, you know, you can basically build your own, you know, wall station or ceiling station or whatever, just uh, based on what your needs are and your budget and stuff like that. So, and I, we started doing, we, we, we landed upon several different hook iterations and, and designs and things like that. But we wound up with this design that is really cool because it's, it's an open hook basically, and it has a T bar on the end of it. And that T bar is the design we patented. And it basically is, a, is a, kind of functions more or less like, you know, like a, when you pull your boat up to the dock, you know, and you have that cleat there, it's called a mooring anchor. Yeah. 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 Cool. It's basically the similar principle in that you you know you can you can basically you know put your your loop your band or strap into the main hook and then that T-bar will catch whatever's going to try to come off the hook. So it became, you know, the, the ultimate safety feature in that you know nothing comes off of it. We've had zero failures. So and it's also easy to put on because there's no clip hooks and you know any band strap, pulley rope, whatever will fit on it. And so, I mean, I didn't even know the real true applications of it until I started using it, really. You know, I just thought, I was like, yeah, let's just use it for res resistance bands. In the beginning, it was just about resistance bands. And then it opened it up to, you know, these pulleys and ropes and, and battle ropes. And it was like, wow, we can use this for virtually anything that needs attaching. 
So, and that's kind of the, the genesis of it all in 2008. And then, you know, this is a kind of a showstopper was when I contracted stage three cancer. So while I was working on this, I, I got diagnosed with throat cancer. So that put a year and a half off the, the project for sure, because <laughs> I couldn't do anything. Yeah. You know, I was doing treatment. I lost a bunch of weight and I was just like, oh, a mess. What so a, anyway, yeah. Can ahead. we go back to that point of the cancer diagnosis? Um, I mean, I think. Uh, yeah, out of the blue. Just every, came. Yeah. What, do you mind sharing a little bit about that? I mean, what, what was, what was the setting? What was it? Something that was expected? Do you have any idea why? I mean, throat cancer can be, you know, can not, be nasty. Not at all. So the buildup to it, how I knew, or well, I didn't know at the time, but how I knew something was wrong was I was uh, swallowing. Uh, well, I'd eat a lunch, let's say, and I would taste like the food in the back of my throat as if it's back there, you know? And then I had a low, low grade sore throat, like a one on a 10 scale, you know, so it was really, really mild. So I thought I was going to get like one of those, um, you know, colds, you know, where it starts in your throat and sort of moves up to your sinuses or maybe down to your lungs and you cough a little bit and you hack up some stuff and then you're done. So that's what I thought. So about two weeks into that, I was like, it's not moving. It's not doing anything. And I still keep tasting food back there. So at that time, I was treating this um, ENT doctor, ear, nose and throat doctor. And he did a little assessment on me. He said, yeah, your tonsil has split open slightly and you're pocketing food back there. I'm like, okay. So yeah, I didn't have my tonsils out when I was a kid. So here we go. So he goes, yeah, what, what we'll do is we'll just take out your tonsils, you know? And I, and I said, okay, fine. So in doing so, the workup, they, they, they got a big chunk of um, a tissue out to biopsy it. And then I went in, you know, to schedule the surgery for tonsil, tonsillectomy. And he was just like, I, I've got some bad news. And I, I, I still didn't, even, you know, I was like, well, maybe, maybe we have to push the, the, the surgery out a couple of weeks or something. I was, that's what I was thinking, you know, like nothing like cancer. And he, he was like, you have squamous cell carcinoma stage two. And I was just like, what? Yeah. And, and I was, I was just like, what? Now I was looking it up, you know. Luckily, squamous cell carcinoma is, is a type of skin cancer that's typically not aggressive. So every, you know, it was like a, you know, okay, this this is okay. I can, you know, manage this one. And then when the workup to, you know, getting surgery and stuff like that, they have to do a full work workup to see if it is, you know, actually moving around. And they found some more in my lymph nodes on my left side of my neck. So then it became scarier because now it's stage three. One stage away from four, which is, you know, your death sentence. So they were like, all right, let's, um, you know, get these tonsils and nodes out. So I had a couple surgeries and, you know, do chemo and radiation, like full court press, you know, full on 30 some radiation treatments on my neck and about six or seven chemos. And let me tell you, you know, it, it basically fried my throat to the point where I couldn't eat. So I had a feeding tube. Um, it was really disgusting taste in my mouth. There's so many different things that it was just so wrong. <laughs> you know, like I suffered a lot, you know what I mean? Cause you know, you're dehydrated, you're in pain, you can't sleep, you're malnourished, <clears throat> you're depressed. Um, and you know, it, it's just, you know, you think you're gonna, this is it, you know? 
So every day it's like, oh my gosh, I mean, I'm gonna, uh, am I going to do to beat this or not? And can I handle this treatment? Because it was just so hardcore. I mean, it was frying my neck literally. I can't grow hair on my my neck because they fried my my follicles. Whoa, so man. it was how, just, how it old was were you at that point, Sean? 40, 44. 44. So that's yeah, I'm 44. 40, yeah, 40. I mean, this is it, it's kind of the age, um, you know, I think when especially men kind of get into their early 40s, you're like, mm. maybe I'm when stuff starts happening to people you know or to yourself in your circumstance, right? Where my twenties, I was invincible, man. Nothing could stop me. Um, thirties, uh, still felt pretty darn good, you know, but you know, once you kind of get towards the end of your thirties, you start to notice little things linger or, mm-hmm. um, you just start becoming more aware of, of, cause you know, I look at like my dad, you know, had his first heart attack six years from the age I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And you really start to be focused on, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, I'm just curious because I, I've had, you know, a lot of, not a lot, um, I should say, but I, I handful of guests on my shows that have gone through a cancer, some kind of critical diagnosis, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what, what was there any, I'm sure there must've been, was there any lasting change in your mindset, your approach to life, um, that took place after? And I, I emphasize lasting change because I also, I'm curious about, you know, as humans, we tend to kind of forget about things fairly fast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did you, yeah. So get, what were some of the effects on you and, and how you approached your life? Well, being, you know, so weak and so feeling close to death, you know, I, I don't know if I was close to death really, but I can imagine um, that feeling. So, cause I was so weak. I mean, I would get up and pass out or I couldn't even do a push up. Um, I would. And we're back. Had a little, uh, a little loss in connection there, but yeah. So the question I was asking you is, with this gnarly uh, turn of events in your life, some you know unexpected battling cancer, and, and then you start to get better. What? How did your whole mindset or your approach towards life change in both the short and long term? Well, I think the mindset was just really to to be in the moments, you know, because I, I I couldn't live in the future because it was scary. You know, so I would just take it day by day, really. And, you know, it really pushed a lot of things to, to right themselves. For example, my my marriage going into cancer was not so ideal. Right. And so that pushed the marriage to do what it was supposed to do, which was divorce. So I was getting a divorce right after I got diagnosed and treated. I got um, divorced about three months later and I actually moved out. And so, I mean, these are things that I probably needed to to do anyway and to grow as a human being is to live on my own and and be more of a present father and not, you know, just let her do everything and, and things like that. So, you know, when I look back on cancer, I, I kind of consider it as a godsend in a way. I think that God, I've survived it, though. But I mean, in a way, in, in, the, in a sense, it pushed me into doing things and, and it kind of restructured my life in a good way, you know, and so there's the silver lining there. And, you know, it was hard to see that while I was going through cancer because you're just suffering, you know, physically. And, you know, to, to be able to go through two major events, which is cancer and divorce, pretty much back to back, that was kind of a big deal. And, and I overcame that. And I started studying Buddhism and things like that. And, 
really trying to understand, you know, who I am as a person, as a soul and a spirit and all those, all those things. And I really was able to dive into that a little bit more. I think, I think having that, the cancer and then treatment kind of puts you more in touch with your, your spirit a little bit more. And, you know, you know, being so close or seemingly close to death, it really makes you live much better and appreciate things better. And, you know, that, that's what my mind shift is now. It's like, I just feel like I'm, I'm living a better life. I'm feeling more joy moments to moments and, you know, being able to not resist, attach or judge, you know, things and situations as much and being able to, to surrender to the universe and let it all unfold. You know, these are all the Buddhist principles that I try to, to do. And, and so it creates this more um, favorable, you know, experience of life, you know? So that's kind of what I'm trying, trying to do. And Sean, you mentioned Buddhism. Is that something that you follow? Are you devout Buddhist or are you just kind of like the principles of it? How, how I like far the principles of it? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like a devout anything really. I, you know, I, I'm kind of like the Dalai Lama. I'm like, kindness is my religion, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So I, I practice that as much as I can. I mean, kindness and serving, you know, I like to think that I I'm serving my, you know, people with whatever I can serve them with, you know, so physical therapy, fitness, nutrition, those are my key ones that I feel like I know enough to help people with. And that's kind of, you know, what I want to do and, and how I want to, you know, move into the late latter stages of my life. I'm 54 coming up on 54, but I hopefully I have a lot of years left, but I mean, you know, you never know, but I live, try to live like, you know, you know, there, like there is a tomorrow, you know, get going, <laughs> you know, yeah. start, start to live your life. It's super important, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, uh, my wife and I had a pretty kind of traumatic 2016 and, what I found out of when I came out of it was that I personally had a much greater sense of urgency yeah. in life than I exactly. did before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that was what, you know, I kind of took a hard look at like, I'm okay. Well, yeah, on paper, I have a good life, you know, here in Santa Barbara, California, which was where I was, you know, I had a, you know, a good gym, great community, great wife, right. all of those things, but something wasn't settled. There was something I wanted different. And I look back at things that maybe I had made decisions on based on other people's values, not my own. And that immediately kind of drove me to make the changes that I knew I needed to do. Similar to like, you know, what well, you probably said, well, yeah, this marriage isn't working for anybody. So mm -hmm. it's time to, to do that, take that action. Um, yeah. I mean, the other thing that seems to be a common theme is the understanding that you can't control anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just surrender part of it. So that's the, that's yeah. The surrendering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, man, I mean, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I think it's always, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's interesting in life that we can't seem to learn these lessons, um, the easy way. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. Exactly. It has to be some sort of trauma or something. And, um, <laughs> but, but let me tell your, your listeners and you as well, that my marriage, uh, is better than ever now. Awesome. Since we've divorced, <laughs> so you know, all these things sort of just, you know, and, you know, I just kind of let them all happen. You know, I really did. Yeah. I tried to surrender to everything. And um, the, the, the principles I was telling you about that I kind of follow with pretty much every scenario is the judge. I call it non-judgment, non-attachment, non-resistance. 
So you don't judge, you don't attach, you don't resist. And mm. those are the things that I try to apply to everything that I do with interacting with others and situations and things like that. So, and then the, you know, opening, keep, keep your, keeping your heart open, you know, and, and don't, don't shut down your, your heart, you know, just, I don't know if that makes sense, but I mean, just always be open with your, with your heart and give as much as you can, you know? Yeah. I, I love that. What, and what do you mean by that? Like, you know, that you can, that, that leave your heart open is something that, you know, gets used on advertisements for selling jewelry, right? But there's a much deeper meaning to it. What is What does that mean to you specifically? Well, a lot of times you judge such situations when you shouldn't, and you're, you're creating a, a backstory on this whole situation when you have no idea, you know, really what the situation is. So just be open to observing it, open to, you know, letting it happen, letting it fold. Don't be judging it along the way, you know? Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's it's sort of a kind of a, a method to not judge, you know, and not to put anything on that situation other than what it is and try to, you know, keep it because a lot of people throw in their past experience on, a, you know, in a situation and they think they know what's going to happen. And, you know, and they think they know that person when they really don't, but they create this whole backstory behind them and. You know, I've had that happen to me a lot at work. People are like, oh, I didn't even, I thought you were this way. And now, now I know you're not, you know, yeah. you know, you're stuck up, you're this, you know what I mean? So I don't do that. You know, I don't judge people. <laughs> yeah. It's so hard too. you know, especially, um, and we don't have to belabor this point too long, but I think you look at, you know, these, um, digital lives that we portray, right. Yeah. Um, through social media and, um, you can almost, not almost, we can completely create a different persona online than what you actually are. Yeah. And that can be usually, I mean, I guess it could go both ways, good or bad, but it's usually detrimental um, mm -hmm. because, you know, either people are, don't, you know, people rely too much on that when they make prejudgments of who mm -hmm. you may be, or you're portraying an image that you don't really want or can sustain. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, yeah, it's just a, it's a weird world, man. Um, <laughs> it's a weird world. Another thing I've studied is like a radical honesty and, and uh, radical transparency. A guy named, um, oh, what's his name? He wrote Principles. Um, Ray Dalio. Ray Dalio. Yeah, he's got a great book. And, you know, he talks about radical honesty and things like that. And it's just basically just rolling, just, you know, you roll through life just being honest. <laughs> you know, that's really it. And transparent and let people know, you know, don't hide anything from anybody. You know, and it's kind of interesting concept as well. Um, it is. And I, let's, let's go back to business because I, I really want yeah, to kind of highlight like Anchor Gym. Um, so you guys started in 2008, you started to get some traction. I'm curious. I mean, 2020 for the home gym market was crazy, right? I mean, it was yeah. just absolutely bananas. Uh, did you, how did that affect your business? Were, were you able to keep up with the shifts in consumer mm -hmm. demand? Mm -hmm. uh, what has it meant for you guys moving forward? And, um, yeah, give us insights on, on how you've handled that. Well, we were really shocked at how sales jumped up. It jumped up four times. So whatever we were making before times that by four. And that was a huge jump. I mean, you're talking about, you know, 
30,000 to a hundred thousand a month, that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was like, wow. Okay. But that's not really the real number. It was right around there, a little more than that actually. But, um, so, but we, luckily we were, we were able to, to manage the, um, our, our products because we have several manufacturers going and, you know, it, I know the bands sold out a lot. I mean, a lot of band companies, cause we have a third party band company that we use and we, we were in back order with them, you know? So everything kind of went as far as, you know, uh, bands and straps and things like that. But I think that's, that's what made ours go along with it because people were looking for things to use it with, you know? But, um, yeah, so we, we were like, wow, okay, so this is kind of the new norm for a little while. It was like really strong, strong, strong 4X, and then it come, came down to about 2, 2X, actually 3X, really. But anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's just like, you know, the consumer market became our most dominant revenue stream versus um, the commercial market because, you know, we, we had a big footprint in the commercial market because our stuff is built – for the commercial use, but it's small enough to use inside for a consumer. So it kind of goes into both environments really, really well because of that. But we also have a you know, specifically consumer uh, version of our hook. It's scaled down, smaller footprint, smaller load bear, and you know different colors so you can match your interior and things like that. But, but so yeah, so it you know the demand was definitely there, but we we, we were able to catch it. In a, in, a, in a way that we weren't out of products and and things like that. We, we got a lot more dealers too. I mean, we had so many dealers call us up and want to start, you know, selling our product because they saw that it's, you know, a great home market, home fitness product, you know? So, yeah, it sort of worked out. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I, I wonder, um, you know, you've been in the fitness industry kind of at, at well, at multiple levels. Do you think, um, how do you think the home fitness now, as we look into this year, hopefully, I mean, I don't know, today is March 30th, 2021. It looks like things are going to reopen, right? Um, people are going to go back to June. You're in California and think of it, but what do you think? Um, do you think the home gym movement is here to stay? Do you think it's going to kind of go back to a normal period? What, what projections do you have as far as what the fitness industry looks like moving forward? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be here to stay. I mean, but there's always going to be a certain slippage, you know, as far as, you know, people just wanting to go back to the gym and that's where they like to do their workouts. But I think more and more people are going to have both, you know, and I've talked to a lot of customers already that they're like, I love my anchor gym and I love my gym. So I'm, but I'm able to go back and forth. If I don't want to go to the gym, at least I have, you know, a good way to work out at home that I can still get a great workout as if I'm at the gym. And that's what we we do was like, you know, you can do pretty much any exercise, you know, that you do at the gym on our system with the right accessories and so on. So that's really great. So I would, I would, I was always telling that to my customers, you know, years ago, you know, when they're asking me about home fitness equipment, I was just like, you know what, anything you, you, you want to purchase for your health is a good thing. You know, just remember, you got to use it, <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, you know, stack things in your favor, you know, if, if it takes, you know, having a spinning bike at home or some cardio piece at home to, to get you to do cardio on a regular consistent basis, then do that, you know, set yourself up for success. So have both, you know, that way there's literally no excuse. And I always tell customers, clients, you know, 
you shouldn't be making excuses for to do fitness. It should be a non-negotiable event. You know, you shouldn't have to talk yourself into it or out of it. You know, it's not like that. It's just what you do. You know, that's what I tell people. It's just that's the level of it. You brush your teeth, you work out, done. You know, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I know it's hard for people to wrap their head around that one, but I'm like, yeah, that's how it's got to be. You can't, you know, it's just you have to do it. Yeah, it's got to be, um, you know, it's interesting. I had uh, on one of my other shows, I had Brandon Cullen, who's a, a CEO and founder of a company called Madabolic, which has a bunch of gyms. And, um, you know, we're talking about, because I came from the CrossFit background and yeah. the goal was always, uh, you know, make, when they come into the gym, you should make it the best hour of their day. And he's like, yeah, you know, I disagree with that because I think it should just be part of their day. You know, it shouldn't yeah, be exactly. have these expectations of being something. Yeah. It, it should be, if, if you get into the rhythm, it's just what you do. It's like you said, it's like right. taking a shower, it's like eating your lunch, yeah. and then you do this. Like yeah. now, if you want to make eating lunch the best hour of your day, and that's where you want to focus, great. But it shouldn't yeah. take an hierarchy over in one of those. And I think that's ultimately when people see long-term success as they make it habit. I mean, you've been in the, the training yeah. trenches forever. Yeah. Um, so let's look forward, man. So, you know, Anchor Gym is doing well, you know, uh, this pen- really I love great. it when... I love when more, when the market kind of comes to a business, like you're already growing, but then, you know, market shift and, you know, somewhat unexpected things. And then you see good people and good businesses grow. So how do you plan on continuing and riding this wave forward? What's your, what's your plan then in the next, you know, three years or so? Well, our biggest move is going to be towards marketplaces throughout the world. So Amazon's one of them. We're already in Canada, UK, and Australia through Amazon. And there's several others, you know, that we're looking into Germany, Brazil, Spain, Norway, all the European countries are open to us and Middle East, uh, some, you know, Singapore. And there's a lot of opportunity just within Amazon, but you can also expand through Walmart. And that's what we're doing and, and eBay. And we're, we have basically hired consultants to help us kind of navigate these platforms for us. So we have Amazon consultants and, and Walmart consultants, and um, that's kind of how we've been doing it. So they they know the ins and outs pretty much so we can get the best marketing strategies going. And so, yeah, it's the marketplace expansion throughout the U.S. and abroad. So we're ramping on to Target right now and Lowe's and Home Depot and then Wayfair and then out Overstock and all the different market platforms that are out there will be on there at some point. Um, so that's kind of how we're kind of grow the U.S. markets and also the, the the dealer distributors. You know, those are harder to to manage because you know we just basically send them a price list and how they put their our stuff on their website to to market, and you know they they submit orders to us basically, and it's we don't have any really insight on what they're doing and you know how they're marketing and if they're doing seo or any sort of marketing strategies for our stuff so all we can see is just the po's that come in but but the long and the short of it is that we we've had a lot more inquiries and um dealers that want to raise their hand to sell our stuff because normally it was like me calling people and asking them you know to take a look at our product line to see if they'd like to distribute it but it's sort of shifted now. So now I'm getting the calls and that's kind of the only shift there. And, you know, to be honest, I think really the home market is obviously the bigger market because you look at, you know, consumer uh, 
commercial markets and gyms and the vertical market, which is basically all non-gyms, like, you know, gyms at, you know, um, police stations, uh, military bases, hotels. Those, that's kind of the vertical market. Yeah. There's not that many <laughs> compared to the home market. It's just the home market is just millions and millions, you know. So we're basically trying to gear all of our stuff towards setting up the ideal home gym with, you know, our stuff. And it, the cool thing is, is that our stuff falls within pretty much anybody's budget, honestly, because if you can have like a full on gym with us for just over $200 and wow. you get pretty much, yeah, I know. So, and you know, you can't do, you can't buy dumbbells and a bench and a, you know, you know, all that stuff. Plus you got to buy flooring if you're buying heavy weights and you have to have the room to do it. in. so ours eliminates a lot of those factors in that you don't have to have a room. You just have to have a wall and some little bit of space to move in front of it. You can lose large loop bands, which are basically like dumbbells within rubber dumbbells. You know what I mean? It's, it'll give you the type, the enough resistance up to a hundred pounds, which is, it's not bad. I mean, go buy a dumbbell for, you know, 100 pound dumbbell. I mean, forget it. It's going to be thousands of dollars. Yeah. If you, you can know? even so, find one now. Exactly. And they're all, they're all gone too. So our thing is like, you know, Hey, we can give you a, a really great, you know, solution for home gym that, you know, fits this criteria, the budget, the, the, the space, even the longevity, our stuff's going to last forever. You can take it with you. So, you know, you can move, you can just, you know, unscrew it from the wall and take it with you, you know, and it's, you know, goes in a box <laughs> instead of, you know, you got to hire a team to pull it out. So I think more and more people are going to start, you know, doing band training and things like that. Because I just do band training right now. I've been doing band training for a year. And I'm telling you, I get a great, great workout because these bands are thick and heavy. And I can do drop sets real easy. I can shift and change my weight real easy because I use these gloves. And I can just, you know, slide up or down on the large loop band to, to adjust the weight really easily, which is great. I mean, I'm basically, you know, I looked at the handled bands too, but for me, uh, it was too many clip on and off motions to, to make it worthwhile, you know, because you have to clip on enough tubes to get the right weight. And for me, it just you know, it was too cumbersome and things like that. I'm not saying that, you know, you know, handle bands are bad. I was just saying that, you know, if you're lifting heavy and, and you're, you're have a dynamic routine going, you're going to be doing a lot of clipping on and off, which can slow you down. But yeah. Anyway, where was I? <laughs> yeah. Well, we were talking about the future of the business and now I'm curious mm. kind of, you know, yep. shift towards you. Um, what do you, this is one of my favorite questions. Um, mm. What do you consider, what's your personal definition of, of success? And, you know, do you think it's achievable in the next five years? Yeah, I, I feel like I'm successful already. I felt that way awesome. for quite some time. Yeah. Just because I'm doing what I, I want to do and I'm doing it with the people I want to do it with and I'm raising the kids that I want and I'm, you know, there's a lot of pluses going on with me. And I think, you know, if I had to say, uh, you know, to be more successful, I'd, I'd like to wind down my PT career and move, you know, my focus into complete, completely focused on uh, Anchor Gym and my company, Core Energy Fitness, 
which which is you know holds, holds the brand Anchor Gym, and just do that. And you know, I'm planning to move to Costa Rica, like I was telling you, and and um, set up shop down there. And I can run my business anywhere in the world. So, you know, Max and I are trying to you know move down there to Costa Rica to this really nice little small town, and I would be able to to run my business down there, and um, you know, it would be a huge you know shift in my life but i think it'll be great one for the kids i mean because they'll be able to learn spanish i'll be able to learn spanish and um you know it, it it'll be a lot more fun i think uh to to have an adventure you know because <laughs> i'm kind of over la i've been here for since 96 oh yeah so i'm like ah eh, la and then you know costa rica has a lot a lot of benefits health-wise a lot you know oh, yeah. clean air in the small town there's hardly any cars I'd ride my bike everywhere. So it's kind of be a kind of a neat little shift for me in my life and, you know, my kids and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, success to me is happening every day and, you know, I'm just kind of letting it happen really try not to, you know, judge things good or bad. You know, it's the thought that makes them. So as Shakespeare said, I think (laughs) (laughs) I I can't remember the quote, but it's like, it's tis neither good nor bad. It's the thought that makes it so, you know, something to that degree where you're, 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 de- you're trying to define, you know, the situation as good or bad. Yep. You know? Yeah. And just think it good versus bad or don't think anything of it. Just observe it. You know, that's the Buddha way to do it. You know, cause if you're labeling it good or bad, then you're judging it. So the Buddha would just observe it. Man, so, you are yeah. like a really fit Buddha. Uh, <laughs> fit Buddha. <laughs> I'm trying to be, man. I'm so trying. Like, I'm 54 almost, man. I'm like, oh. But I'm telling you, I do cardio. I, I, I like, I walk the walk. Let's put it that way. I don't do, you know, I do everything that I tell people to do. And I'm, I'm doing it because it makes me feel so good. You know, I mean, I've had times where I would sit on the couch. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to get on that bike. Or I don't want to work out. But every time, every time I'm finished, I feel great. So it's just like, you know, why am I even sitting there? You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Costa Rica. I think I told you that I was, um, my wife and I got married there back in 2014 and, you know, we're like, we we spent three weeks and we're like, yeah, something tells me we'll be back and, uh, we haven't made it back yet. well, now you could come down when I'm there. I'll probably be there next year. Yeah, nice. she's building a house, and I've already rented a place down there. I already scoped it out, and I mean, rent's so inexpensive; it's ridiculous compared to LA. It's like sixty percent less. Yeah, food's yeah. the same. I mean, when you go there, you really, you know, you give yourself a pay raise automatically just by, you know, living expenses. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I, I mean, just feel like I'm going to. Um, just moving from California to Montana, we gave ourselves a raise, you know, we did that, you know, a couple of years ago and, um, you know, Costa Rica is significant and that's, you know, going back to, um, Tim Ferriss the four hour work week. Now that I think you and I would probably agree. I don't think there is a four hour work week. Um, but there's a lot of great lessons from that book. And one of them is, you know, as we kind of entered into this, you know, um, tech-based global economy that you can do that, man. You can go live in the place that you really desire. And I think, you know, what we saw this year with this um, remote work revolution is a lot of people are like, wait a second, 
Mm-hmm. I can do this from anywhere. And my lifestyle is really valuable to me. And it, it's been really cool. I, I love hearing stories about people going for the life they want. And it seems to be becoming more and more attainable. And therefore, uh, more mm-hmm. people are trying. And I think it's, it's, it, it's really encouraging. I love the fact that you're doing it, man. And hell yeah, I'll visit for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be good. Um, I mean, it, it's just, it feels now, it feels like it should be happening. And so I'm, I'm not struggling with it or anything like that. It's just like, you know, I've been down there many, many times. I know what it's like down there. And every time I go, it just feels like, you know, I feel healthier. I, I just feel more, you know, energy. Um, I'm outdoors more, you know, enjoying this. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to, you know, relocate and, and also, my mother lives in Florida, which is actually it's Costa Rica's closer to Florida. So, because it kind of wraps around, you know. Yeah. So yeah, totally. Wire, it'll be like two hours away versus five, you know. So that's that's good because she's seventy eight, and I mean she's in great condition. I mean she's my hero. I mean honestly, fitness hero. It's like my mom is like a, mach- a fitness machine. <laughs> that's all I can tell you. She's like <laughs> it's like super. She's like super fit. For her age, I mean, for any age, really, she's super good. She rides her bike in a, in a group of, you know, people that really ride hard for three hours, three to four times a week. Each time she goes three hours. I'm like, that's a lot. I mean, I only do seven. That is a lot. You know, she's at nine. <laughs> I'm like, come on, mom. And then, you know, she does my band training work and stuff like that. And she walks. She's in a walking club. So she walks six, seven miles you know, at a clip and I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> that's where I got that from. Always, you know, doing something, you know, so. Um, Sean, that's awesome. I'm, I'm so excited for you, uh, what you've overcome, the business you've created, the lifestyle that you are living. Um, it's really kind of, you know, when I talk about lifestyle entrepreneurship and, um, you know, it's, it's really basically a very shiny example of what it can be. You know, you can build a business that can help a lot of people and you can have a great lifestyle for you and your family. And, um, you know, that's makes it all worth mm-hmm. the risk. Right. Um, Absolutely. as we kind of wrap it up, mm-hmm. Sean would give us, give us the goods, man. Where do people find you? Where do people find your product? Um, where else would you like to send them online? Any kind of offers or promotions as well? Well, I, I, okay. So the website, there's two ways to get there. And my company is called core energy fitness. So you can do, you know, www.coreenergyfitness.com or you can search by brand. So you can do www.theanchorgym.com, which will get you to the same, you know, website. Basically we couldn't get anchor gym because somebody else had that, the, the domain. So, so you have to put the the in front of it. Um, and then you can go to the bottom of the page. It has my phone number and email address. It's uh, Sean at coreenergyfitness.com. And then we have a chat bot, bot on the, um, uh, the Facebook chat bot on there if you want to Facebook me or whatever. Just, you know, get a hold of me. And if you need any, you know, I have a really cool uh, core wellness program on the website. It's under the About Us page or tab. And I go over different, you know, concepts of cardiovascular training of strength training and nutrition. Those are really good to read through and just kind of get a, you know, good foundation because I I was always teaching these same principles over and over and over again. These are really solid, you know, really good things to to follow. And I just put them into like a, like a, a word document. 
on the website so people can you know, reference them or print them out or, or whatever, you know, um, you know, kind of foods to eat and things like that, kind of combinations to do. So, yeah, I mean, I'm open to any way of communication, any, you know, just get a hold of me any which way. And that would be great. And I, I'm happy to help anybody, you know, with with diet, exercise, nutrition, fitness, you know, helping you get set up with your the home gym that you, you really, really want for the future. So and, you know, we're also coming out with new products, too. So, you know, you can follow us on Facebook and, you know, Instagram and all those other things <laughs> we were set up. Right on. Well, Sean, thank you so much for for joining me on this uh, wonderful Tuesday okay. morning. Um, it's been a it's been a real pleasure hearing your story and kind of reconnecting again. And uh, yeah, man, keep up the great work. All right, same to you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Finnegan. Thank you. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it. Whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be. I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, make an introduction. Whatever it may be, you can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show, and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast and you can expect a lot more from us.